0: My name is Brian Gratton, and Ron Paul changed the direction of my life for the better. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government.
1: The Honour and Ron Paul Podcast starts now. Welcome to the Honour and Ron Paul Podcast. This is Howard Gratton, and I'm with Master Brian Grattan. And uh, it is a delight because he is my brother. And I call him Master not only because he's my older brother, but because uh, he has his Master's in Electrical Engineering. And he has a a wonderful little joke about when he was being introduced uh, around. And uh, I was always like, oh, this is doctor, 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 Brian, doctor. (laughs) Because we roomed in uh, when I was in med school. Oh, delightful as a younger brother to have all that going on. <laughs> Good times. So we were, uh, let's see, I was in residency and coming towards the end. And and then you were, were you a professor at that point or an instructor? You're, no, you're no, teaching. I wasn't.
0: I, well, I, I was working as an electrical engineer. I, I forget if I was teaching part-time at that time or not. Actually, you know what? I was, I was teaching one, one class around that time, one class order. And, and uh, yeah, that was uh, 2007 when, Yeah, uh, I first ran into Ron Paul. You know, a lot of people say it, and it was true for me, too. It was the South Carolina debate, and it was uh, purely coincidental. I wasn't even planning on watching the debate. I was just flipping around channels on TV show, on the TV, and uh came across a debate. I thought, oh, well, I, I better watch this. Uh better figure out who uh, who my favorite candidate is. Because, Do your um, civic duty. That's right. And I had been uh, kind of a Mitt Romney fan, I, I, <laughs> uh, but had recently kind of soured on him, so I was open to anybody. I see this uh, fellow up there, and he's making some very sensible points and is interrupted by a second-tier candidate, which I will not name. <laughs> and uh, actually, I, I, I should name it because uh, for people who weren't politically active at the time, it's uh, it's hard to grasp just how politically powerful Rudy Giuliani was. But he was, uh, many people think, uh, many people thought he was the chosen one at the time. He was going to go yeah. all the way and become the uh, nominee, and he interrupted uh, Ron Paul, and for me it was really awkward. This awkward feeling because here I agreed with everything Ron Paul was saying, but he was uh, being booed, and um, it was just a time where I, was, I was like, "Man, something, something's off here." Because what he was saying was not anything that uh, a rational person
1: would not agree with and And being uh, being an engineer you enjoy being a rational person exactly
0: so over the next couple of days and weeks um, just uh, started running into his name some more Um, I believe it was Pat Buchanan who actually wrote an article about how the questions Ron Paul had raised needed to be answered and uh, as embarrassing as it is to say or to admit now um, shortly after the debate, I'd kind of forgotten his name. I was like, oh, who was that guy? And I saw the Pat Buchanan article I was like, oh yeah, that's right. It was Ron Paul. That's right. And then somewhere else I, I saw um, people talking about meetup.com so I got involved in that and then um, just from there it just, uh, uh, I guess you could say snowballed and I got more and more involved in the uh, Ron Paul campaign. Ended up uh, uh, volunteering quite a bit and going door-to-door quite a bit.
1: Yeah, you were into it before me, and it's probably because you saw that early debate. Because I had always... It's funny how memories kind of change because you're remembering the last time you remembered something. And so they evolve over time. And I think you had mentioned him, and then uh, our friends who are uh, super liberal, and we used to hang out with them all the time, they had mentioned him because of his anti-war stance, and then they were encouraging me to look into him you were encouraging me to look into him so it kind of went from there um but but you were definitely much more on board before me you were you were really wanting to go meet him at that uh cash dinner and uh i was like oof, A a big donor dinner yeah yeah and that was um that was back in the yeah. day when I was a resident in, and fellow, and that's... It, it, uh, we
0: ended up maxing out our donations that year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 2400 bucks, which... 2300 at the time. Oh. It, that, that was a max back then. I just remember it being an absurd amount. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, particularly at the Station of Life I was then. Now, you know, sure, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, what am I doing And it's just, you know, it was one of those things. It was all for the money bomb, just to get that number up there, just to get him some recognition. And uh, I don't think I had any illusions that he might win. I think there was always like hope, like, oh, you know, since it was, it became so obvious to me that everything he was saying was correct. It was just like, obviously, this is just information getting out there problem. This isn't, nobody is going to hear this. And then not accept it. So it's just, you know, it's being squelched and, and uh, people just don't know. As soon as they know, that, that obviously. One of the big difference is between his 08 run and his
0: 2012 run. In the 08 run, all the volunteers were like, oh, let's get his name out. Like a lot of people haven't heard of him. When people hear of him, they get excited. It's just a matter of getting his name out there and uh, getting people to recognize him, stuff like
1: that. uh, blimp,
0: And then four, four years later, when he ran again, we all realized, okay, guys, you know who he is, but you
1: really just don't like him, do you?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it was, it was a little bit of a a different
1: feel. Yeah, very much so. Even though I think in, in 2012, he had a lot, it seemed like he had a, looking back on it, everybody says he had a lot more support and he did much better in the primaries. But, yeah, it really, I don't know, in some ways. And then, um, oh, man, his campaign manager was like an FBI plant in my mind. <laughs> he did such a poor job. Oh. Jesse
0: Benton. Jesse yeah, Benton. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. And
0: and, and as, as you know, and uh, I'll, I'll just let your listeners, I, I'm out in Iowa right now uh, visiting family. Um, and that's where Jesse Benton was charged with trying to pay off an iowa state senator to endorse ron paul yeah yeah that, just one of his uh many incompetent moves that uh, really disappointed me yeah but uh, i think uh, as you said he got a lot more support in 2012 and i think a lot of that is due to the seeds that were planted in 2008 um, especially here in iowa because a lot of uh Ron Paul supporters got active in the Republican party and mm-hmm. um, they were able to get into positions of power in the in the party. And he, he did really well here in Iowa in 2012, unlike 08. Right. Unfortunately, that did not translate into a uh, continued success in the 2012 run, but it, it was um, nice to see.
1: Yeah. Because he essentially tied for first. And then later on, it turned out that he had actually won the, the highest number of delegates, and then in um, New Hampshire, he came in like third or second or something like that. But if it, if New Hampshire had just gone number one with him, it would have been a whole different ball game. Would have, should have, could have. So one of the interesting things, kind of in my life, kind of reflecting back on this time, is just how much things have changed. Um, and, you know, just reflecting on what you said before, uh, where you were a uh, Mitt Romney supporter, or you're thinking Mitt Romney, how hard is that for you to say right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you know, it, it's obviously embarrassing. I've, I've all, what, what the really thing that really stings is I was such a supporter of the Iraq war.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I know my support was absolutely meaningless. However, I, I did argue for it and uh, uh, argued uh, with people about it and uh, argued its merits. And that, that's the one that when I, I look back and I, I re- I'm really troubled because I can't see like, what could somebody have said to me at that time to change my mind? Because mm. I know a lot of people are in the place I was, so what can I say to them now? So, so that's definitely one of the biggest changes uh, in my political outlook. And it's something I, I look back on with uh, uh, regret and embarrassment. Yeah. And obviously Mitt Romney was a part of that, and he's you know was a, a supporter and a cheerleader, and he wanted to double the size of Guantanamo,
1: and he's still as, as slimy as ever. Oh, that's uh, super interesting. as far as looking back and trying to figure out uh, why we didn't you know get into this before. And I was just looking at, um, Oh, you know, something, uh, reading about Ludwig von Mises and he died in 1992. And I was like, Oh, wow. I was alive when he was like, why hadn't I read? <laughs> I was like, Oh, I was a sophomore in high school. I was like, well, I mean, come on, come on, younger Howard. you should have been seeking the truth. Yeah. It's just, so, yeah, it's just so easy to kind of, you know, and, and uh, Rothbard died in the 2000s, and it's like, oh, man, I I could have, you know, uh, come to this much sooner. Back in those days, it would have been really
0: easy to meet him, too, because he he wasn't exactly, having superstar status. I mean, if you just could have figured out uh, somewhere he was speaking, I'm sure it would have been no problem to uh, get a uh, face-to-face.
1: Yeah. And that uh, also reminds me of um, another question I wanted to ask you, because it's always interesting how – you know, we kind of go along as family members and we just assume that since you're part of the group, you kind of think similarly. I think we do think similarly in, in many ways, uh, particularly since we're both Ron Paulians. But what were some of the things that were surprising or kind of the, the hardest to kind of digest or to when you realize, oh, wow, I'm in a, a weird little rabbit hole here. And I'll give you an example. Uh, of when I was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> what have I done? It, it was a campaign for Liberty. And now this seems so mainstream to me and it's just such a, an easy thing for me to accept is that a campaign for Liberty thing. We came back to Iowa and we were visiting mom and dad. And, uh, so we went to this thing anyway, and it was wood and Ron Paul gave a little speech and um, oh, a couple other people, and this one guy got, got up, and, oh, man, he was a good speaker. And he was a former judge. And so to set the scene, there's about three, 400 people there, uh, a wide variety, some in suits, but a lot of people in normal clothes. And then a significant segment of them were in camouflage <laughs> or had some type of camouflage and some hat reflecting some conflict and um you know oftentimes bearded and i was like oh that's that's interesting to come to a conference all right um and this judge gets up there it was a judge andrew napolitano now he's on fox sometimes and he was talking about the second amendment and he was saying the second amendment is not for hunting The Second Amendment is to have those guns so that if the government gets tyrannical, you can point those guns at the government. And I was like, Holy crap, what have I got myself into? These guys in the in the uh, combat boots were just like Yeah. I was like, oh it's like, okay, when does the ATF kick in the door? I'm not with them. I'm not a Branch Davidian. You know, it's just like, (laughs) uh, oh, and and now it's just like, well, yeah, of course, that's what the Second Amendment initially was for. The Second Amendment holds up the first. And I mean, when when it really comes down to it, that's the final backstop.
0: Uh, If we can tie that into present day, I just saw that in, I think it was Michigan, the militia Hmm. was standing outside a barber's shop because he was... Illegally running his barber shop and cutting hair illegally, but the right. militia was not going to let the police pass. Yeah, and that's something I haven't seen it ever <laughs> that uh, they would make that kind of a stand. I mean, I, I take that back. You know, you look back into the Bundy Ranch and, right. and there's been some things like that, but this seems like something that has uh, really come out of the COVID nineteen shutdown. That uh, more people are kind of understand the second amendment this the way we do right <laughs> you see you've seen a lot of uh, armed protests and I've, I've seen uh the other day i saw some it was a uh, state representative or state senator who was a minority and she said she felt uh threatened so she had her own armed militia people with her walking her to her office or whatever so um, that's something that uh, I think you're right. I think uh, at the time, or in 2000, 2007, 2008, it was uh, only spoken about in hushed tones, but it's much more um, agreed upon now. I don't know if that's the right term, but it, it's it's accepted by a wider uh, audience right now.
1: Yeah, um, so that, that was definitely one of my, like, oh, wow, you know, I'm now... Uh... I'm now a radical type of thing. Like, how did, how did that happen? That this logical, uh, you know, philosophical outlook that has been laid out, and now I'm in a room with some uh, militia-type people who are cheering for, you know, the Second Amendment. And obviously, you know, Judge Napolitano is uh, now seen as fairly mainstream guys on Fox News. And I just accept it. I mean, that's exactly what the Second Amendment was for. So do you have any any memories or any stories of like um, re- when you realize that, oh, I don't really fit in with the Republicans or Democrats. I'm now like very much on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't have any specific times. And it's funny, I, I remember you and I going to that conference, but I don't even remember Napolitano speaking. I remember he was there. I don't remember his speech at all. Though. <laughs> so for me, that was just like something I I'd completely <laughs> accepted by that point.
1: You were further on down than me. <laughs> yeah.
0: I do think one thing that I, I think I had to accept that was difficult was just the untrustworthiness of the uh, surveillance state and Mm. uh, uh, I think up to that point you know I'd heard many critiques of Hoover and the FBI and I kind of put that uh, in the back of my mind I guess and just kind of said well maybe that was back then maybe maybe people kind of misunderstood what was going on (laughs) but when you get into uh, the libertarian school of thought and you really start Um, investigating these branches of government uh, and their the tools they employ like the FBI or CIA and um, really an an innumerable amount of three-letter acronym agencies that uh, just continue to uh, uh, grow and be created um, and how those things are can easily be misused and um, have frequently been tools of the powerful and not the uh, protectors of the weak as they are
1: advertised to be. Yeah. And a perfect example of that is this Flynn situation where, you know, they were wanting to get him, catch him in a lie. And they did catch him in a lie and they made a huge stink out of it where it's, uh, it's illegal to lie to the FBI when it should be your patriotic duty to lie to the FBI.
0: <laughs> it, it's, it, it's really disturbing that that's a crime. And yeah. uh, uh, Matt Taibbi had an an excellent article about, about this recently. Um, folks can look it up if they want to. But uh, I'll
1: link it in the show notes page if
0: you send me an email. And what's interesting is they haven't even come out and said what the lie is yet he admitted to it so there must be some inaccuracy but in the past when it was like george papadopoulos he got his dates off by a month right, right. So, so it become it actually kind of it's kind of a ethical question i mean is that a lie or is that just forgetting right i mean are you sure he was intending to mislead somebody or did he just get his dates wrong that that it's really disturbing that they're using that i, I think uh, the the point uh, I've seen it before is sometimes this will be used as a way to uh, convict lower drug offenders to get up this to get them to turn over and uh, get up the higher. but in this case, it was just to get him fired. <laughs> I mean it's really disturbing actually right. and uh, I highly doubt people who uh, were not as influential and as powerful as Flynn. Would have been able to get the notes turned over and find out that that was in fact their only intent, and uh, it's it's
1: a a very interesting story. I thought when the Mueller report kind of came out that you know a lot of the people who've been championing the Russia conspiracy would kind of have like a oh man we okay how do we screw this up and you know kind of turning back against the. You know, deep state—if you want to call them that—kind of the established intelligence agencies, or, and you know, oh man, they really—they got us that time. Oh, those darn deep states, But no, that didn't. And then other things kind of came out, and now I mean, it's this whole thing is really falling apart, and yeah, it's um, I—I'm starting to like instead of feeling smug about being right now i'm feeling sorry because i can just imagine the emotions of you know like some of our good friends who you know were really invested in this like trump's the devil and they're gonna get him the good guys are gonna get him and uh and it's all gonna be all right you know they're gonna get pence too and uh pelosi is going to be the president speaker of the house and As just, just that
0: would change policy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, th- they're not going to change their mind. Um, if you recall, um, a lot of people knew in their minds that Barack Obama was not born in America. He was not born in Hawaii. And all the evidence that came out – I mean he, he has more evidence that he was born in Hawaii than I do that I was born in Iowa. It all came out and people said it didn't change anybody's mind. It, well, he changed, I shouldn't say it didn't change anybody's A lot of people to this day believe he was born in, I forget where, Kenya or something uh, just bizarre. But uh, he was born in Hawaii, there's no doubt about it, And it, but it doesn't matter. So you're going to see the same thing with Gate. People will hang on to that till the day they die.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So I was, I was playing an online game a couple nights ago. And chatting it up with this uh, this guy who was talking about fascism or something like that and uh you know as we're shooting other people <laughs> he's talking about the slide of uh you know Trump being a fascist and all this stuff and and I was like, yeah, yeah, he's bad and you know he's got all those powers that uh Obama has bequeathed to him the power to assassinate American citizens and he's like dude you should look up whataboutism google up whataboutism that is totally whataboutism uh, uh yeah that that's kind of the that's kind of my point I was making there uh, and he's like well no whataboutism is uh, russian propaganda and <laughs> it's you know the, the Russians you know brought that whataboutism to america and I was just like it took me you know <laughs> Then yeah, you know, we died, and I didn't really. But I, what what can I say? It, it's just.
0: Well, who was like, the guy on M, who was the guy on MSNBC who had an interview in the New Yorker, and they're interviewing him about how Russia Gate fell apart, and he said, "I don't want to take away Russia's agency here," and he <laughs> implied that Russia had caused Russia Gate. <laughs> Um, oh, Jimmy Dore. Yeah. Jimmy Dore has a fantastic interview with uh,
1: a great well, leftist. Yeah.
0: No. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Dore. Uh, he a great interview about this. So look up. Um, oh, it's Chris Hayes was the MSNBC guy who said that, and Aaron Mate. So if you look up,
1: Aaron Mate is um, always good on this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. J- Jimmy Dore's interview of Aaron Mate. Um, it's really amazing, and he just goes off. <laughs> well, he, he just does what Jimmy Dore always does. When, yeah. it, when it
1: comes to uh, Russia and it was uh, it was fabulous. Yeah, Jimmy Dore for the uh, hardcore right wing people who don't talk about any leftists uh, out there. Uh, Jimmy Dore is a uh, progressive comedian uh, who's uh, so left and so progressive, he saw through all this stuff, and uh, has always been uh, a good anti war leftist um, and things like that. To give
0: you an idea of, of how left he is, he used to work for the Young Turks.
1: Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Kind of went uh, the opposite was, direction was, of uh, Reuben.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Reuben. Well,
0: kind of. Um, but uh, Jimmy Dore, when he was on The Young Turks, what he recognized, and he, he there's a video about this too, he, he recognized that Trump was just a, simp- a symptom. He wasn't the cause of the problems. Mm. So his, his comedy and all this, his uh, skits that he does now, he rarely talks about how he dislikes uh, Trump. He just says, because that's too easy. So he, what he's really doing now is he's holding uh, a liberals' feet to the fire. And um, recently, I don't know if you saw, but since we're Oregonians, we should be proud of the fact that Ron Ron Biden, our senator, had a uh, amendment that was going to not allow the FBI and other agencies to uh, get your search history from uh, your ISP or anybody else without a warrant. So okay. Ron Wyden had put that amendment in and it failed by one vote. Oh and, yeah. Uh,
1: Bernie didn't vote.
0: Bernie Sanders was not there to vote. <laughs>
1: so uh.
0: If Bernie Sanders had voted yes, it would have passed. And of course there were also plenty of Democrats who voted no and Diane Feinstein being one of them. So you can always kind of Dianne Feinstein and, Marco Rubio and um, the rest of the uh, uh, neocons to uh, vote against something like that. But uh, yeah, so Jimmy Dore was not uh, focusing on the fact that a lot of Republicans voted down this amendment, but he was really focused on the fact that Bernie Sanders let his supporters down by letting this amendment fail by one vote.
1: Yeah. Letting them down yet again. It's tough to be a tough to be a liberal and a progressive in this day and age. Uh, You know, you're talking about your uh, the
0: online conversation you're having about the guy with whataboutism. I think there's a lot of terms like that that are what I call um, uh, coat hangers for thoughts. Like a lot of people, they they have this idea, they have this problem. There by well. Barack Obama assassinated an American citizen. That that's a real problem. So they need somewhere to hang that, and they say, "Oh, that's what aboutism." So I can just hang that thought there and forget about it. Right. So you you have what aboutism. You have the horseshoe theory, which is like when you get too far either way, that kind of bends back together and becomes the same thing. S- stuff like that. And then Russiagate has become one of those things. Oh, uh, I don't like. Maybe a liberal will say, "I don't like what Jimmy Dore is saying." oh, he must be a Russian agent. I can just forget all the points he's bringing up because I can just hang it on that little coat hook.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. And we all have this little narrative that we have to kind of track. And um, it's interesting because the brain has only so many resources. And so in order to uh, make sense of the world, we have to have this larger picture and fit things within that picture and then when something right. doesn't quite fit we either ignore it explain it away or we wrestle with it of course wrestling with it it takes up a lot of energy and effort and we have that cognitive dissonance that's always uncomfortable and so it, it's really tough and now I, I oftentimes worry about well so now I've got this world view and you know am might just I'm sure I'm stuffing all sorts of things within this worldview. And when something new comes up, you know, am I going easy on myself and just kind of plugging it in there or, or am I truly wrestling with things to get to the right answer and things like the, uh, you know, the COVID kind of bring that up. Like what is the, the correct answer? Well, my, Gut instinct is that the government screws stuff up, and of course now I'm going to look at well, you know, they told us not to wear masks at the very beginning, and then um, I saw this awesome scatter plot as far as when people started wearing masks in different countries where masks were important, and those countries had very low infection rates, and then it plotted that against to when governments imposed lockdowns, and uh, the mask wearing had a very strong correlation coefficient and the mask and the lockdown time period had it was all over the map had almost no correlation with their infection rate and their their deaths and so you know that like fits perfectly within my little mind and so I'm like oh that's got to be right yeah. exactly it's, it, it's, well, yeah, the,
0: the statistics that come out of this whole uh, lockdown the covid 19 are going to be fascinating for I think for a decade I mean yeah because everyone's because of technology we're able to gather all these statistics in real time and present them in real time, but it's going to be a long time before we put them all together Good. and it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, I like then to bring our, our conversation all the way back to the beginning where we talked about 2007, 2008, because that's when I first started getting the idea of people's narrative and how hard it's change people's minds because I was frustrated by the fact that it was really difficult to get anybody who was in their later years to consider Ron Paul, and they would, you know, it was more more of a young person kind of thing. And I was really trying to work through Why? Why was that? What can I? How can I present this? But when I realized, you've got Repu- somebody who's been a Republican, maybe uh, deeply in the Republican Party or just loosely affiliated with it. They've been doing work for the Republican Party and supporting the Republican Party for 40 years, maybe 30 or 40 years. And along comes Ron Paul. And a lot of things he's saying are a renouncement of what the Republican Party has been doing for 30 or 40 years. So for someone to concede that they've been on the wrong side of many issues for 30 or 40 years, that is a big step to take. Yeah. And it's not something that someone takes lightly. Maybe they don't take it at all, but yeah. I think that's why a lot of political revolutions, new ideas always start with the young people because they don't have that investment that they have to discard at any point. They can uh, just see a new idea and either uh, accept it or decline it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, and, and people have talked about how you should trust a uh... A business person's opinion more than a politician's or an academic's because the politician and academic, their entire being is wrapped up in being correct and having been correct because that their whole reputation is that they were right about everything. So for them to change their mind is very difficult versus someone whose only real interest in is, you know, making money. Or an engineer, like, you know, you're only interested in making a good product, you know, if something new comes along, like, well, yeah, let's just change it. We were wrong. Now we're right. Or at least this is the best information. What's the big deal? Versus, like, you know, Paul Krugman, like, you know, reading human action and being like, whoa, whoa, wait just a second. Uh, Maybe I was wrong. I mean, that his entire reputation is all staked on being correct. And uh, that that sounds
0: like exactly something that would fit perfectly in your own narrative, Howie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, because my narrative is, at this moment, (laughs) correct. Well, on that, I think that would be a a great place to stop. This was episode 22, www.honorandronpaul.com slash ep 22 Uh, Thank you very much, Brian, for being on the podcast, and please check out the show notes page. If you have an idea for a guest, if you would like to be on the show, please uh, uh, comment on uh, Facebook or Twitter or send an email at support at honoringronpaul.com. Thank you much, and uh, take care.